This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a very good morning to you, JP, until one with Cork Today and Bernie standing by taking your comments on 1850-333-103. Or if there's something you want to raise on the show this morning, you can always text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. In for Patricia, who is still unfortunately out sick due to that chest infection. Hopefully, though, all going well. She will be returning to us later this week. For the moment, anyhow, we'll keep going until one o'clock with Cork Today and ahead on the programme. The government will have new flexibility regarding VAT decisions and this is following a meeting of EU finance ministers. We're going to chat to the MEP for Ireland South, Billy Kelleher on this because basically what does this mean now for consumers of certain products here in this country and will it have an impact on fuel? Because every time we mention fuel we hear the one and the main reason why it's so high in Ireland is outside of decreasing or increasing oil prices elsewhere in the world, our VAT rates are very high and yes there is carbon tax now on top of that but VAT is one of the reasons. So could that have an impact? We'll find out shortly. Also, Mill Street Town Park is closed in sections following an old agreement with Mill Street Coursing Club. Now, this is to facilitate coursing in the park and this comes up every year here on the programme. Uh, but this year, locals are unhappy and I could be because of last year. I'm not too sure if if this is the case, but with the restrictions that were in last year, which were a lot more severe than what we have this year, I do presume coursing did not go ahead. And because of that, the park remained open. And then people saw the benefits of having the park right open, uh, as in totally and completely open across the Christmas period. And is that why now locals are unhappy that a section of it is closed this year when they had the facility opened last year? Because while we get calls every year, we've got a lot more calls this year and they're not going away. Now, many of the people who were ringing us don't want to talk on air. They say to us it's a small community and they don't want to annoy or offend anybody but offer themselves they are saying they are deeply annoyed and fed up at this decision. Well now celebrities have got involved uh, with this and one of those is the well-known celebrity who is well known for her animal rights campaigning over the years that is Pauline McGlynn and she will join us this morning on the programme and Pauline just in case you're unaware of course well-known 
own her most famous role even though she's been involved in so many her most famous role would be uh, Mrs Doyle in Father Ted anyhow she'll join us this morning on that issue and again we have reached out to the coursing club in Mill Street the numbers we have here on file uh, we've phoned we've texted people and posters we saw in and around Mill Street over the years that uh, that we have be, that have been sent to us here we found those and we have uh, phone numbers on those and text them as well and no one has come back to us so we if there is anybody listening from the Coursing Club we do want to have a bit of balance in this conversation but it's hard to get balance when no one returns your calls uh, so if someone is listening from the Coursing Club or knows somebody uh, from the Coursing Club if they could email us a statement you can do that to Cork Today at c103.ie if they don't want to talk to us or you can talk to Bernie and just issue us a statement if you don't want to come on air you can still uh, talk to Bernie with a statement so at least we have some bit of balance on what's happening 1850 uh, but I think considering the calls we're getting here and then when you have people like Pauline who uh, nationally are raising this issue I, I think we just can't continue to ignore this because people won't return our calls uh, you know we can't be in a situation whereby we'll try and be balanced but if someone's not going to return our calls does that mean then we just shut down the topic uh, so if someone could contact us that would be fantastic uh, we'll wait and see. Uh, the future of the Onakura Centre, the mental health facility in Middleton, that was discussed at the Rockdust Committee on Health yesterday. We'll find out how the discussion went because locals will continue their fight to keep the facility open. Uh, but it does seem, uh, from what we heard from that committee yesterday meeting with the HSC, they're hell-bent on closing it. So we'll find out exactly what is the future and will any change happen. Or I mean, that they seem to be hell-bent on moving those in the health facility, the residents, to other facilities facilities nearby but not in the Middleton area and we're going to hear about Abandoned Business which is the first retailer dedicated to bamboo clothing and bamboo clothing for babies the benefits that has for your baby we'll find out more later in the programme and Peter Dodal will be along offering gardening advice if you have a question for Peter something in your garden you want to ask him about get those into us nice and early it's a busy segment so you can call Bernie or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and again today we'll give you a chance to win tickets to go along and see Riverdance with thanks to Aiken Promotions you can see Riverdance live at the Marquee next year and that is next June the 2nd 3rd 4th and 5th we'll get you there the tickets you could win this afternoon here at C103 so that and more between now and 1 and your calls and comments are welcome to us you can tweet as well at C103 Cork and yesterday and this morning a lot of people were asking what is the plans with the schools are they going to shut early as many people were thinking they would shut this Friday for the Christmas period well they're not going to there's no plans to close schools early for Christmas and as we were speaking yesterday with Boher Buina National School and we heard uh, the reality I suppose of what schools are going through and, and how they are coping at the moment with everything going on with regards to restrictions and measures in relation to Covid uh, and parents I suppose worried as well uh, that their son or daughter may contract Covid or bring it into the school as we heard yesterday. Well regardless of everything the schools will remain open and they'll close as they should. There's no early closing for schools but many parents have already decided not to send their children in next week for the final final three days of term. Uh, The Department of Education says that there was no evidence to suggest that extending school holidays has a public health rationale, uh, but growing concerns about the spread of the highly transmissible Omicron variant of COVID uh, that has sparked a fresh wave of speculation about an early end to term. But no, uh, Micheál Martin made it clear last night. They met with Neffet and again, when he spoke to TV News yesterday evening, uh, he said at this stage, they're not going to close 
those schools early, but he also uh, spoke about the importance of the school routine to children. So no early school closures uh, this year anyhow. For Christmas, everything will uh, be as it is. And we spoke about this a lot over the last few weeks. The lottery and no one winning the lottery for the past six months. Well, uh, we'll find out more tomorrow because the lottery bosses, they are seeking a must-be-one lotto to ensure the current six-month rollover can never happen again. In such a scenario, if all six numbers are not matched by a player, the winnings could be distributed to players who have fewer than the full number of jackpot numbers. Now, this system of the jackpot sum trickling down to bump up other prizes is known as a roll-down in the UK and other countries then where they have must-be-ones are allowed, but the CEO of Premier Lotteries, who do run our National Lottery here, uh, he is going to be in front of the Oireachtas Finance Committee today and we'll hear how indeed they got on and the questions that are being put to them today. Uh, one of the TDs from Cork that is on that committee is Deputy McBarry of the Solidarity Party and he'll join us tomorrow morning on what happens today at that Oireachtas Committee meeting with the heads of the National Lottery and what will happen will they change it straight away? Will it change next year? Uh, or as a lot of people feel that all of a sudden we will have a winner for Christmas and they're a bit suspicious about all of this. Anyhow, we'll, uh, we'll know today on what happens and we'll bring you more on that tomorrow. Uh, but your views are welcome on what they should do uh, while they're discussing that today in the Oireachtas Committee of Finance. And yesterday we were hearing and discussing about mixed views uh, on the €100 Euros credit uh, that we're all going to get off our electricity bill. Uh, it's going to be around March next year. A lot of people are happy. Um, no one is unhappy at this. Uh, but it opened the wider discussion. And if the government is doing this, well, surely they know there's something wrong that people on low incomes and those in social welfare are unable able to meet the demands of high energy costs and, and this is why they are doing it so they need to look at social welfare payments and they need to look at those on low incomes and also the feudal loans. We had a number of calls and emails yesterday uh, from people who are applying for the feudal loans but simply are not getting anywhere. They're not getting the feudal loans because they're being asked for various accounts to this and that and the other thing and they feel if they are entitled to it, it will be next March or April when they get that green light and then it's too late and they'll be only getting it from next year if they do qualify. So a mix views on the whole fuel allowance as well but one question that came in was from a person who has a second home and they said will that credit now apply for my second home as well as in a holiday home? Well it will because we checked into this and it's actually making headlines as well this morning that people who own a holiday home in addition to their main residence they will get a €100 Euro credit off their electricity bills for both properties under the government's new scheme aimed at reducing energy costs so as we know if we, the credit will directly come from your bill. Uh, So it will apply to those who have a second home as well or a holiday home. And uh, I think a lot of people would agree with this and we all know over last year uh, companies got a subsidy from the government to basically keep the doors open uh, while the the restrictions were in full flight and no one was going anywhere. Well, companies that took that uh, payment to cope with the pandemic and then they paid dividends to their shareholders that they should be banned of availing of further subsidies and that's coming from a government TD. That TD is Jim O'Callaghan of Fianna Fáil. He's a TD in Dublin Bay South and he's made the call after the Irish Times has revealed companies that have done this over the past year so they will have received money from the government that has propped up their company but still they have paid their shareholders dividends so they've benefited from taxpayers' money more or less. 
and you'd wonder without the subsidy they received would they be able to pay dividends and if not well then they shouldn't be paying them because the subsidy was to keep wages going and keep the companies afloat without having a, a number of companies folding basically over the last year uh, so I think most people would agree with Jim McCallaghan on that that if a company did do this did pay out dividends to shareholders and taking that taxpayers money to subsidise their company but then others will benefit out of this then a lot of those which you know shareholdings and large shareholdings will be wealthy enough you would imagine that they should not receive any further subsidies from the government. I'm sure many of you would agree with that, or maybe you would not. 1850-333-103 or text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And yesterday it was Martina and McCroom who raised the issue that we got a lot of a big response to and this was on uh, the Taoiseach's department and they're spending €450,000 on gifts and on hotels and on airfares, and it was the taxpayer paid for that, of course, you and me. But then we had people who felt that, well, the money is, you know, budgeted for the year and they feel that the Ireland itself needs to sell itself. And they had no problem with the Taoiseach spending that amount of money to sell Ireland abroad. And when people visit the country, that they are treated well. So mixed views over that. Well, not too sure how people will feel about this, because it seems that almost eight hundred thousand euro is to be spent on developing an app that will act as a digital one-stop shop to assist TDs and senators overwhelmed by emails with parliamentary work. The Houses of the Oireachtas Commission, which oversees the operation of the Dáil and the Shannon, they have approved this funding for what's known as a digital parliament members portal. And it's estimated the first phase of this project will cost around €781,000. And officials claim that the app will make a significant contribution to transforming content and service delivery to politicians in Leinster House and will represent a key value point in the houses of the Oireachtas from a digital transformation programme point of view. So there we are uh, to improve their work. This uh, app costing over 800k then in total. So uh, following what people were annoyed with yesterday, not too sure how you feel about that is to make their lives easier, basically. And we had a big reaction on the show yesterday to dangerous driving or angry drivers and road rage. And uh, people had their own experiences. They were telling us yesterday when we discussed that with the AA. Uh, We'll hopefully discuss this in more detail tomorrow on the show with the Road Safety Authority, because uh, I'm not too sure how people feel about this. It ties in kind of in a way in what we were discussing yesterday uh, this is the Road Safety Authority who are going to set up an online portal where road users can upload camera footage of traffic offences they witness and these traffic offences are being considered uh, in a new plan to have deaths and serious injuries on our roads by 2030 so if you see a driver and you have a dash cam, I presume, or maybe you're out walking and you see something that you consider to be an offence, you can send a video, if you are videoing it, to the RSA via an online portal. And I presume they're going to follow up then with whoever owns the car because they'll get the car edge or the driver. At the launch of the government road safety strategy, uh, different measures to achieve a significant reduction in road tragedies were outlined at a time when more people are being encouraged towards active transport such as cycling and walking. But the moves include a rollout to 30 kilometres per hour speed zones in all urban areas. So this will be in all suburbs of the cities, the city centres itself and towns and villages. Also tackling the number of unaccompanied learning permit 
drivers and multiple learner permit drivers who have not passed the driving test. They're also looking at expanding the use of the average speed cameras on our roadsides and also uh, more roadside cameras. And when they say roadside cameras, I wonder, are they think, talking about fixed roadside cameras? There's a few of them on motorways uh, in and around the country. None on roadways in Cork. As far as I know, there's none on roadways in Cork. We have our speed camera vans that are on our roadways, but I haven't been made aware of fixed roadside cameras, but that is something that they are looking at. And reviewing the penalties for serious road offences, and that would include uh, the likes of using a mobile phone while driving and not wearing a seatbelt, and I'm sure a lot of people would agree with that. But uh, on the uploading bad drivers to a portal, is that a good move? And then when they talk about the various items they are trying to tackle, I mean, something that I don't see is the state of our roads and the road network itself and why you're driving on a road and next thing you have to go to the other side of the road because the road you're driving on, there's either a huge pothole or the road has fallen apart in parts of it or is just not fit for purpose. I mean, a lot of the accidents that do happen on our roads as well are because of our road network or, for example, a road that just is no longer fit for purpose because of the demand of traffic on the road. I mean, we could talk about it nearly every road in Cork because of that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when, when they talk about these measures, some will welcome them, some will, will question them. But a lot of people, I think, will be asking when it comes to the Road Safety Authority, what about the actual road network? I mean, what can be done? You're on about reducing debts. But when we have a situation where we have roads falling apart, roads not fit for purpose that can't take the current traffic and no measures on the way to improve our road network in Cork. And I'm thinking of roads like, you know, the Cork to Mallow Road, which we're here about the M. 20. We're hearing about that for so long at this stage. You know, the road isn't fit for purpose from a safety point of view. And we can see that with the amount of accidents. And they've done their best with that road, accident-wise. But still, a lot of people who travel the road every day are used to it. And those who don't always say, God, I hate the thought of driving on that Cork to Mallow Road. And the wire is a turn-off to a lot of people as well. But then other roads who simply can't cope with traffic. The N71 is always in discussion and indeed raising the doyle because of the fact that it can't cope with the current traffic levels. It's not fit for purpose. The North Ring, uh, the Bantry Line, they keep going on and on and on about roads. So uh, I didn't see that mentioned in this proposal, but hopefully we'll go into further detail tomorrow uh, on the show regarding that. And your views are welcome because I do think the state of our roads can also lead uh, to a lot of accidents and unfortunately a lot of deaths on our road, be that uh, with impatient drivers who want to get ahead and can't because of the road or indeed just the, the, the road basically falling apart. Anyhow, your views are welcome. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And speaking of roads, cars, what's your favourite car? Well, guess what's topping the list? The Volkswagen Golf. It never fails, does it? Uh, Volkswagen Golf still coming out as Ireland's favourite car. All these years later, it still tops the list. When people think about what would they buy, they always seemly. Anyhow, uh, the Volkswagen Golf pops into their head first. There we are. 1850-333-103. Line to open if there's something you want to raise on this morning show or discuss or we are talking about you can always text or whatsapp 0862103103 across cork city and county this is cork today on c103 and a lot of people on, including a listener in Boher, we asking, does anyone know what is happening for people who have prepay meters or pay-as-you-go regarding the €100 Euro credit from electricity companies? Yes, they are included in that. I'm not too sure how they will work that out, but we have been told, and it's confirmed, that they will be included. So if you pay-as-you-go, you will receive uh, the €100 Euro credit also. And hi to Catherine on WhatsApp, who says, and when we spoke there about the roads, she feels that people have no manners on the roads. You'd imagine if the driver noticed a 
string of cars behind him, him or her, that they would slow down, pull in and let the traffic pass. But that does not happen. And that is why, and that leads to frustration on the roads. And it can also lead to a number of accidents as well. And that's what we mean outside of what the RSA are saying. What you mentioned there, Catherine, is correct. And I have another text in from Bernard saying the same, that that can lead to frustration from drivers behind. They then pass out and they pass out on roads like the N71, which are not meant, are not designed for that type of driving. And then that leads to an accident that wasn't mentioned there from the RSA. Uh, They may, when we discuss tomorrow with that, take a look at that. But that is one of the reasons people feel and that should be looked into is our road networks and indeed uh, how they maintain them. Anyhow, we'll get back to calls and comments on our road network later in this programme. But the government could have new flexibility on VAT rates following decisions agreed between the EU finance ministers. MEP for Ireland South, Billy Kelleher, joins me on this. Good morning to you, Billy. Good morning. And thanks for joining us. I suppose with this, Billy, first of all, there are seven categories within services and products that are included when it comes to flexibility on VAT. I mean, these services, will they include, for example, transport? Because it could be good news for a lot of people at the moment with the high costs of running transport. Yes, I mean, the seven categories are foodstuffs, uh, supply of water, pharmaceuticals, medical equipment, transport, um, you know, and uh, it goes on from there then into the whole area of solar panels, um, uh, insulation and all of that. So from that perspective, yes, there's no flexibility for the government uh, to uh, bring forward uh, VAT rates that are suitable to and proportionate to the policies they are trying to implement. For a long time, the VAT rates were very rigid and they were actually supporting the fossil fuel industry, for example. There would have been exemptions on the coal industry and uh, heavy fuel industries and other areas, you know, so that was from a historical legacy. So this has been reviewed for the last number of years and there was a final agreement um, last week and now it's up to... um, Minister of Finance to finally sign off on this sometime in the new year and then for individual countries uh, to put forward what they believe could be areas that would be exempted from from VAT or reduce VAT rates, for example. So it it is good news. I mean, areas where you you could see issues, um, for example, that would be very relevant would be in the area of disability, for example, that um, equipment for for people with disabilities uh, could could be uh, very reduced VAT rates. uh, right across in the area of insulation, for example, um, electric bicycles, motor vehicles, all, all of these particular areas, uh, services relating to transportation of passengers, encouraging more use of public transport, all of these areas. So there's now an opportunity for uh, the Irish government to you know, look at the policies they want to pursue and encourage people to go on to public transport, uh, to facilitate people that are, you know, may, maybe have challenges in life uh, by putting products that they need uh, into the lower VAT uh, category or exempted categories. And it's good to hear that those who may have to adapt their homes for disability reasons, that, that it will have an impact on, on their services. But also, uh, you mentioned transport there as well and electric vehicles. Uh, it's good news again if it's going to hit them. But what about the pumps and the petrol and diesel repair pumps? I mean, we know uh, over the years that the government here has a VAT and a high VAT rate on what we pay at the pumps when it comes to diesel and petrol. Is there any going to be any change there or does that fall into the fossil fuel side of things where there won't be a change? Yeah, this is primarily in the area where it will encourage people to actually wean themselves off or for economies to wean themselves off dependence on fossil fuels. So these are primarily in the areas of um, environmentally friendly modes of mm. transport. So that that is primarily the area. Uh, the, the, the reason being for a long time there was actually subsidies, in other words, um, the coal industry in some countries, uh, oil, 
um, heavy fuels were actually exempted from uh, VAT. Uh, and that, in a way, was skewing, um, you know, people's behaviour and making it cheaper for people to use uh, those type of fuels rather than uh, moving to renewables. So that's just one area. But, I mean, there's, there's, there's a whole plethora of areas medical equipment, appliances, devices, um, aids and protective gear. Um, even, for example, recently during the pandemic, it, it came to light that a lot of the protective um, requirements um, were actually not that exempted. So now that's also the case, protection masks and other areas, for example, they would have been vat in some of those products. Uh, they have now been put into the category where they can be exempted as well. So look, it, it, will, it will give flexibility, it will be more nimble, and now it will be up to government to um, prioritise um, the areas that they feel should be in the exempted category or the lower VAT-rated categories uh, to, to reflect the policies, the changes in societies and the directions we want to go. And it's importantly to ensure that people that, you know, have to purchase products, have to purchase services uh, that may be of lower incomes or have no choice but to purchase because of, of a challenge in life, that they could also be... Um, put into the exempted category or the lower VAT category at the very least. So it is good news, and I think, to give the government now flexibility and an opportunity to take on new, new directions in terms of policy. And while it's more, I suppose, looking at the green side of things than our traditional fuel models here in this country, as you say, it's going to be more looking at electric vehicles than so uh, what we pay at the pumps. Is it the government here will be decide how much the VAT rate can be reduced and where the 0% goes, or is it from Brussels? Yeah, it's primarily up to the national governments. I mean, the, the, the reason why we have these VAT directives is to ensure that there's not different VAT rates uh, right across the entire European Union. We live in a single market. So the idea is that there wouldn't be, uh, you know, a plethora of different VAT rates. So in Ireland, there will be the, the 23%, uh, the 13.5%, and then there will be um, exceptional needs in, in the areas that I'm talking about here. Um, or zero or super reduced rates. So you could have a, a 5% rate and then you could nominate some products, some services for zero rates as well. So that's the the idea. And then obviously you'd make an application that would be submitted to Brussels and, and, and approval sought and more than likely granted if it, if it complies with the directive. But um, I, I think it's good news because we for a long time were looking at you know, um, high VAT rates on products that were considered um, medical products um, contraception, for example, uh, in, in some countries, uh, in, including Ireland uh, and elsewhere, were, 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 were VAT rates at, at the high end. This is all based on the fact that a lot of these products weren't even on the market when the original VAT directive was, was put in place. So now it is modernised directive and will give uh, flexibility, as I said. And, uh, and as you, you mentioned know, there about medical products, I mean, there's been a lot of talk at the moment over the last few months about female sanitary products and the cost of those and uh, how people, you know, are finding it hard to purchase these. I mean, will they be included? Could we see super reduced VAT rates on products like this? Yes, I mean, there, there has been a campaign uh, in Ireland and across the European Union uh, the, the stamping out period poverty or the, the issue of the tampon tax. Uh, and yes, um, that is part of it. Pharmaceutical products used for medical purposes, including products used for contraception, female sanitary protection and the absorbent hygiene products. Uh, so they are now also included uh, in, the, in the VAT directive here where they could be exempted or in the low category. And again, a lot of these products, and particularly the newer type of products, in this particular area, weren't um, designed or uh, available um, in, in the time when the original directive was put in place. So they didn't fall into a, any category with the, 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 the fact that the old, um, that directive was very rigid and wasn't flexible to new technologies, new advances. And, uh, you know, so um, all in all, I think it's a good day. And this particular issue, 
uh, around uh, the tampon tax and period poverty is a significant problem um, in lower income uh, households where there's a huge pressure on rising fuel prices, rising food prices, um, you know, the margins are tight and, um, you know, this campaign was led by um, students in many cases uh, across the, um, Ireland and, look, it now gives the government an opportunity to address this particular issue. OK, and very finally, uh, Billy, before I let you go, uh, you know, you're an MEP, you, you know what's going on across Europe with regards to Omicron and the spread. Are the EU themselves concerned about the spread of this? And uh, I know in the UK they are taking measures as we are here in Ireland. What's the overall view across Europe? Well, I mean, there is a, obviously heightened concern, there's no doubt. If you look at some of the countries uh, where there's no uh, significant challenges, uh, for example, uh, Norway, which is not in the European Union, but at the same time would have a first world health service, would be a first world economy, a first world society. They are, you know, uh, banning the sale of alcohol in bars and restaurants uh, right through the Christmas period. Uh, other countries are involved in, in, in quite significant lockdowns. And there is um, real concern that while the Omicron variant you know, is hugely transmissible. Um, we're not quite sure yet the impact of this will have on hospitalizations, ICU requirement uh, and, and mortality. So, you know, there is significant heightened awareness and concern across Europe. Uh, the issue, of course, is that we just have to ensure that um, we get the booster vaccines in. I welcome the fact that they shortened the interval between the last, your last vaccine and the booster vaccine. Uh, that's a welcome decision by... Um, by NIAC and the government have adopted that. And I think across Europe now we really have to start encouraging people to come forward for vaccinations. Bear in mind, like in Ireland, we are very, very lucky uh, that we don't have vaccine hesitancy. But in some countries, we have massive problems, uh, particularly in Eastern European countries, Bulgaria, Romania, Poland, Lithuania, for example, uh, and even to Austria and parts of Germany as well, where there's huge uh, resistance to vaccine uptake. And this shows that where there is a low vaccine uptake, where there is not a booster campaign in place, that Omicron will take hold and will have significant impacts on public health and on, on hospitals. So uh, from our perspective, you know, we just have to be vigilant and get the boosters out uh, to as many people as possible and for people to come forward uh, when they can, uh, as quickly as they can, and to deliver those boosters. That That is what the European Union is encouraging, but obviously member states then will have to make other decisions based on you know whether or not their hospitals are being overwhelmed and whether or not tighter restrictions um, will have to come into being. But I think Ireland, if we just do what we're doing and roll out the booster campaign and just be sensible and responsible as individuals and collectively as a society, you know, there's a chance that we can get through this without any uh, increased um, or, or major increases in restrictions in, in the near future. And of course, the significant issue now is, is schools, um, you know, and uh, students and, 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 ch- and children going to schools and getting the vaccines um, out to the younger cohorts now as well and then making sure that we booster the entire population uh, as quickly as possible. OK, Billy, for the moment we'll leave it there and thanks for joining us this morning and Merry Christmas you to, to you and yours. And that you is uh, Billy Kelleher there who is MEP for Ireland South on what is good news even though there's a kind of a green agenda with that news but it is we are going to see a reduced in VAT rates anyhow probably from next year on certain medical products on insulation for homes but when it comes to the cars it will be more for electric cars rather than uh, fuel at the pumps but there will be a decision that can be taken here in Ireland on the VAT rates 
rates for those uh, type of products. Your views are welcome. 1850-333-103. A number of high-profile celebrities have spoken out about the closure of Mill Street Town Park until next month to facilitate coursing in the park. Now, this happens every year, but it seems from locals this year that we're hearing from, they have just simply have had enough. Now, we've spoken to a number of locals off-air who don't want to join us on-air. Uh, those locals are against what is happening and many say that this is a small community in Mill Street and we do not wish to join you on air to discuss it uh, but we are outlaying our worries and concerns to you all here and many have and you would have heard those earlier and indeed over the last few weeks on the programme. Now in the last few minutes we have received a statement from Mill Street Coursing Club via WhatsApp so I will bring that in its entirety to you after 11 but I have highlighted parts of it there uh, just to provide balance on this discussion because as I mentioned celebrities the well-known animal rights campaigner and actress Polly McGlynn uh, who joins me on this because she uh, as you know is um, a big into animal rights and is involved with the Hin Rescue campaign that we have spoken about uh, with her on the show over the years. She joins me this morning. Good morning to you Pauline. Uh, good morning. How are you? I'm fine and thanks for joining us. I mean this is a very emotive topic and you'll be well aware of these type of uh, topics over the years in local towns and you can understand some locals don't want to come on air themselves yeah, I, and I discuss can, yeah. what is happening. And that's uh, but right. So it's, I mean, it's sad as well as astonishing um, because of course the, the reason people don't want to uh, put their heads above the parapet on this particularly is just as you've highlighted it, because it's such a local thing I mean, it's a nationwide concern, certainly. But you know, it's um, you you leave yourself open to such intimidation. And I, I will say that um, you know the the coursers, the pro coursers, are a very robust lot who um, who are very well able to to just uh, inv- involve bullying tactics and. Um, you know, people just don't want to be targeted, I guess. Okay, no, I don't know if, if the Mill Street gang are like that, just to give them credit. I don't know if they're, if, if they're bullies or not, but, and, no. and I hope they're not. Sure, and I but, hope they're not, but, I mean, obviously, I am directly opposed to everything that they stand for. And I, uh, what I find, like, really, really astonishing with all of this is that, as you say, this happens every year, that the town park is closed to facilitate to facilitate what I think is animal cruelty and abuse, um, but you know it's for a minority, a tiny minority, and yet the, all of the townspeople are effectively shut out of their municipal park, um, which is rather beautiful and in one of the most beautiful areas of the country, and they can't they can't enjoy it because um, the whole thing is you know blocked off. Um, it's it's very hard to see in even to see um, the coursing. Not that anyone should ever have to watch that in my opinion um but you know it's um you know the majority are now being uh, held to ransom practically by these coursers and I just think it's astonishing and barbaric it's like something from the dark ages and you would have been involved in many of these type of campaigns over the years uh, and you're obviously well open and have spoken out about why you feel items and sports like this should be banned in this country yeah. have you seen something like this before elsewhere in Ireland whereby a park does close for a month or three months or six months not um, uh, a municipal park like this. I mean, obviously there are, you know, parks that are presumably like higher in the hall, you know, that um, are used for coursing in, in Limerick and beyond. Quite a, you know, not, it's 
not endemic around the country um, in terms of, I think that bit by bit, this is all dying out. Um, I'm glad to say, and I mean, obviously there'll, there'll be um, a lot more activity on the banning of hair coursing uh, next year. Uh, it is to be hoped um, because, um, you know, they, with each survey that's done in the country, it, more and more people are saying, no, they don't want this because they think it's cruel and, and barbaric. And, um, you know, sometimes you get the pro-coursers trying to make a big divide between the people who live in towns and the people, the country people, if you like. Um, that doesn't exist anymore. We're all citizens who are concerned that this type of activity, um, it, it just, it, it leaves a stain on the country, not just on Mill Street in particular, because of using the, the town park. Um, and hares, you know, they're a protected species. They're deeply solitary creatures. And keeping so many of them together, number one, is stress enough. And then to pile them into one another makes a perfect breeding ground for a very deadly virus that they've got. It's like it's parallel to us fighting um, COVID, you know? Um, so the, the hares would normally be a socially distant, kind of distanced kind of animal, um, unless they're breeding. And um, now to put them together is encouraging this really, truly deadly virus for their, um, uh, to, to breed itself um, under these conditions. So that is also another um, another horror. And then, of course, the, the use of greyhounds, which are, the, you know, one of the most exploited animals in Ireland anyway. Um, so, you know, on all levels, this just doesn't stack up as being anything that should be encouraged, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, for the townspeople, I, I think it's quite sad that somebody who does not live in Mill, Mill Street has to come on and talk about this, you know, because the townspeople feel that they can't um, do it themselves or, or would, you know, um, would prefer not to, you know, leave themselves open to being targeted. Um, so I, th- I think, you know, it's it's time to just call a halt on this and just say, no, uh, this is unfair to most of the people living in, in, in that town and uh, they should be allowed to enjoy their town park and not to have it associated with this with this horrible so-called sport. It's okay, well, sport. we did get a, a statement from the Coursing Club in Mill Street just in the last few minutes. I'll bring it to people in full after 11, but just to uh, offer a bit of balance, I suppose, uh, on yes, this uh, yes. for, for them. For the rules, sure. Yeah, the rules and regulations that they say of the Town Park, uh, it's provided for the use of the Town Park by the Coursing Club, and the Coursing Club was responsible for providing funding to purchase that Town Park in 1956. Historically, the park would have been closed for three months now that's reduced to one month and they go on to say that the town park is now while it is fully closed um, whilst in use by the coursing club the playground the walkway outside the pitch and the pitch and push are still fully open and in use so not the entirety is closed uh, and it goes on but more or less they're saying that the town park a lot of that wouldn't be there because they provided funding for that so maybe because of the funding they're entitled to use it and close it off. I, I think it's um, very revealing that um, it used to be closed for three months and now it's a month. So you can see bit by bit um, it's been whittled down and hopefully you will be stamped out quite soon. And also, I just don't fancy if I had kids to bring them to a playground right, right beside where they'll be able to hear hares, live hares screaming as they run you know, away from 40 kilo greyhounds who, though muzzled, um, and therefore, it is said, won't bite the hair. Um, if you had a 40 
kilo greyhound run at you and say hit you in the thigh um, with their muzzle, you know all about it. She'd probably have a broken leg. So it's just, I can't see how people can call this sport. And I do hope that people can come out and protest about it. The townspeople, um, there is a protest on December the 31st um, between 9 and 11 in the morning. And uh, hopefully people will feel that they can come out and show themselves and protest against this because um, it's got to stop. I mean, cheapers. 2022 we're headed into now and uh, it's there's no place for this. And as that protest will take place on New Year's Eve, do you are you confident that next year we will see coursing banned right across well, the country? It's be, been spoken about for a while. Yeah, there's going to be a bill. Um, it was uh, introduced in, in our time of lockdown. Mm. Um, or do you know it was um, introduced that it would be brought forward uh, in the Dáil? Um, and I'm hoping that that'll be next year, 2022, um, uh, in the earlier part, uh, hopefully. And um, they were hoping that there'll be a free vote on it as well in the Dáil so that politicians can vote with their heart and not um, to have the party whip invoked. Um, you know, because sometimes people who are deeply against it are told by the party what way to vote. And um, that's, you know, I think a bit of a disgrace um, uh, because we'll never know um, democratically in the Dáil, you know, as long as that continues, what the real feeling is about banning this, although my feeling is that um, people don't want it anymore. Okay, well, we'll wait and see what happens. Pauline, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, Best of luck with your work with the Hin Rescue as well. And Merry Christmas to you all. And a Merry Christmas to you. Take care. Lovely speaking to you. Pauline McGlynn, take care. Pauline McGlynn there, who is well known for her many roles in TV and also a well-known animal rights activist and campaigner over the years. We've spoken to her on the Hidden Rescue and that is the situation regarding Mill Street there and where she stands on coursing and uh, protests that have happened over the last... Well, I have that statement. I outlined some of it there uh, with Pauline. I'll bring you the statement in full. Cork today, JP, until one. Bernie taking your comments on 1850 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. You can always tweet us this morning at C103Cork. And ahead, we are going to hear uh, about the Onakura Centre in uh, Middleton. We discussed this on the show over the last six months. And this centre, which is due to be closed, and residents in the centre, and even those who avail of the daycare facilities there, are very annoyed, first of all, but also very worried on what will happen. And those within the centre who live there, it's their home, and still they can come and go but it's in the centre of a town and they are now moved to other areas. One of those areas suggested is St. Stephen's in Glanmire, which is not near a town and is quite a bit outside Glanmire. It's based in Upper Glanmire. And this is why people are fighting for this to be opened. The HSC have deemed the building as not in a fit fate or a fit condition to operate as a mental health facility. And as locals continue their fight, it was raised yesterday by the Oroctus Committee on Health to discuss this with the HSC and the HSC are still you know, hell-bent on closing this so we'll uh, discuss on what and find out what was discussed yesterday and where now do they go from here when it looks like there's no major change with this and the impact it's having on the families and the impact it's having on those who are living there I mean it's their home I mean how would you like if you were in a home or your own home and you were told you have to move uh, and go elsewhere uh, because the building is unfit for purpose. Anyhow, uh, we'll find out more shortly on that. We're also going to hear about Abandoned Business, which is the first Irish retailer dedicated to bamboo clothing. 
Um, bamboo clothing why you wonder what is so important or so significant about bamboo clothing we'll, we'll hear that very shortly and this is for babies and the importance and what it can bring to a baby by way of clothing anyhow we will discuss that and uh, it's actually doing research on this yesterday and with all the talk of carbon footprints and reducing our carbon footprint the bamboo plant itself it's quite fascinating uh, we'll hear more about that anyhow uh, between now and midday and as always your views are welcome plus your chance to win tickets to see Riverdale with thanks to Aiken Promotions live at the marquee next June the 2nd, 3rd, 4th or 5th we had the tickets here at C103 but just before 11 we were speaking to the well-known actress and indeed animal rights campaigner Pauline McGlynn and Pauline was outlining her concerns at the closure of the park in Town Park that is in Mill Street and it's closed to facilitate coursing for the month it was always the way over the years but I think uh, this year people are just they seem to be anyhow in the community of Mill Street annoyed that it is closed and unhappy with the decision and many would not talk on air but uh, were out laying their reasons why they're angry over this and why they feel it should stop. Well, a lot of calls and comments on this situation. We have a statement as well from the Coursing Club who have sent that in to us via WhatsApp um, and we'll get to that very shortly but first of all, uh, this is some of the commentary and, uh, and this is from a person in Mill Street, no name on this but they say that the Coursing Club that they have approached and they won't speak to or engage with any of the local but they have no problem standing at our church gate for their collection. Uh, this texter feels that coursing is such a very cruel sport and so many people in Mill Street are sick of it. Uh, Dermot says, as a farmer I love wildlife and I look at the hare as such a graceful animal. If they want to hurt the hare, let them do it in his own territory not in an enclosed park where he must feel lost, says Dermot. And Brida is a mallow and she says, listening to you and the wonderful Pauline, oh my god this day and age to use this barbaric action against our beautiful wild animals what kind of morons think this is sport oh my I'm heartbroken says Brida listening to what's going on come on people of Mill Street put a stop to this savagery says Brida who was in Mallow and on WhatsApp says listening to Pauline there now it made me feel sick I thought live hair coursing had been banned a long time ago people are so cruel it should be banned and people who take cats to train their greyhounds hounds should be put into jail. I've seen cats after the hounds and they have been set on them. It's just awful says Anne on WhatsApp and Anthony and says I can see both sides of this argument. The Coursing Club did provide funding to this town park and part of the agreement then was that they would avail of the park. After all they funded it so I can see where the Coursing Club are coming from. Yes, it's an old agreement and yes, times have changed but people must remember the agreements that were made. Even though they were made in the 50s, they were still made and are still honoured to this this day. So uh, while people may be angry over the sport, if funding was given for this town park by the Coursing Club, you'd have to ask, would the park be there today if they had not funded or helped fund this park. Uh, Anthony who says I can see both sides of uh, the debate this morning. While Denise says I am not for cruelty to anybody or animals but I do feel this is an old sport a rural sport and we are now getting rid of all our old rural traditions. 
Uh, again, I'm not one for animal cruelty, but I do feel there's some in our society who at a certain age do enjoy this sport and aren't going out to kill. But this is a sport they grew up with. And in a different era, this was a sport, says Denise. Uh, Denny feels, can they not move this to another location? Surely those who hunt the hare have land themselves and could they not use their own land to do this? Why use the town park? Yes, an agreement might have been made, but we now have uh, and live in different times. But Tommy is listening in Limerick and he disagrees with Pauline and others who are texting in. Uh, Tommy says he feels the park should be closed and things should proceed as normal. Tommy in Limerick says too many of these right activists are going around at the moment dictating on how we should live our lives. This was a popular sport in Ireland uh, back at the foundation of the state and it continued on until certain people decided that it should stop. But who are these people? They're not local and they're not in the area. If locals are not willing to debate the situation, well then let's go on as we were. Uh, Tommy feels it's a situation that he had or they had anyhow where he's living in the Limerick area and they continue on with coursing. Uh, Tommy feels it should continue on. After all, if they provided funding for the park, the people of Mill Street would not have a park only for the coursing club. Uh, he feels those who were against sports like this should just live their own lives and keep out of other people's business, says Tommy, who is listening in Limerick on a text or WhatsApp 0862103103. You can call Bernie with your views on 1850 Well, we did get a statement from the coursing club in Mill Street. They sent on to us by WhatsApp um, and they've also because uh, someone just made a comment there about the Churchgate Collection and Mill Street Coursing Club they've also just clarified that Mill Street Coursing Club never had a Churchgate Collection so for that person on text who felt that they were at the Churchgate they were not and that has come in from Mill Street Coursing Club now the statement that they have sent us as well along with the, that initial addition uh, they say to us this morning that Mill Street Coursing Club has been an integral part of the Mill Street community since 1913. Since 1961, the Coursing Club has been using the Mill Street Town Park facility for its Christmas meeting. The rules and regulations of the Town Park explicitly provide for the use of the Town Park by the Coursing Club and the Coursing Club was was responsible, as I did mention earlier, for providing the funding to purchase the Town Park in 1956. Historically, the town park would have closed for three months of the year to accommodate the coursing and this has now been reduced to one month as a compromise which recognises the importance of the town park as a community amenity as well as a venue for events such as coursing. The closure is necessary to ensure that the field is ready for coursing and to allow the best possible conditions for the hares. Mill Street Coursing Club is a registered member of the Irish Coursing Club and governed by the Department of Housing and Heritage Coursing Licence. The town park is now fully closed whilst in use by the coursing club and the playground and the walkway outside the pitch and push are still fully open and in use. So that's the walkway outside the pitch and also the pitch and push are still fully opened and they remain in use. The town park spans across 13.5 acres and the coursing club have six acres in use for the next month. Since 1960, the coursing club, the town park and the Mill Street community have worked together with no objection to the use of the town park by the coursing club and in the interest of community, it is vital that this would continue. Signed Mill Street Coursing Club and in addition to that again just to clarify uh, that Mill Street Coursing Club because some 
people and one texter did say that she felt they had a church gate collection again just to clarify Mill Street Coursing Club never had a church gate collection that statement's coming from Mill Street Coursing Club your views are welcome 1850 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and we spoke there and we will go into this in more detail tomorrow on the roads and I don't know if people agree or not with this there's mixed views on this as well and this is how the Road Safety Authority are looking at an online portal where road users can upload camera footage of traffic offences they witness and this is under a new plan from the RSA to cut and have deaths on our roads so if you're out walking you see something that you feel is wrong you can video that and upload it via a website to the RSA or indeed if you've captured that on a dash cam uh, they feel but no I presume at this stage if they're doing that they're going to prosecute the person that if they did do something wrong they'll have their register number uh, but they feel this and other moves like reducing the speed limit in your local town and village to 30k even though some will say that's the most you'll travel at the moment anyhow with traffic that this will have a knock on effect on road deaths but something that we did not see is the road network itself and while people agree with the yes we you know people need to slow down and people need to uh, be careful on the roadways and obey the roads and the laws uh, something that is standing out for a lot of people as I mentioned it earlier is our road network and John says JP I have to agree with you and listeners earlier when you were uh, discussing the road safety authority and what measures they are looking at bringing in if they are why not upgrade our roads that is the first cause of accidents I feel says John in Cork our road network is falling apart it cannot cope with the traffic volumes the road network is in bad repair and everybody looks to the council but the council are not getting their fair share when it comes to funding they have to fight all the time and we have seen this and you've discussed that yourself over the last year on funding for roads in Cork and how other smaller counties in the border areas receive similar if not more funding than a county the size of Cork which has more roads than any other. If that is the case then why are the Road Safety Authority not looking into this and upgrading our road network? As Catherine your earlier texter put it if you were driving on a road and you have a slower driver in front of you it does cause impatient drivers to pull out and pass out in areas which is unsafe and this is one of the reasons why accidents are happening. You also cited roads such as the North Ring, the N71, the Bantry Line and the Cork to Mallow Road. I agree, those roads now are not fit for purpose and why accidents are happening on those and minor roads is because more pressure is put on people to go from A to B faster with our road network not stepping up to the mark. So if they're going to introduce these new facilities online, well then they need to look at our road network says John on WhatsApp to 0862103103. Your views are welcome. We will uh, hopefully discuss that in more detail tomorrow with the Road Safety Authority, but your views are always are welcome. You can call Bernie as well on 1850 333103. C103 Jobs. And on our job spot for today, we have opportunities which include the Island River Play School in Skibbereen. They're recruiting team members for full and part-time positions. You can email your CV to Cora O'Donoghue2013 at gmail.com. Construction workers, they're wanted for the Cove area. Send your CV to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com and St. Gobnet's Nursing Home in Drew's Court in Ballyagran in County Limerick have a vacancy for a healthcare 
assistance, you can email your CV to stgovernets at gmail.com or post to Maura O'Sullivan, Director of Nursing at St. Gubnets Nursing Home, Drew's Court, Ballyagrana in County Limerick. And you'll find these and more online. Just go to c103.ie forward slash job. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. The closure of the... Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Ona Curris Centre in Middleton was discussed yesterday at the Oireachtas Commission Health. Cork East Fine Gael Deputy David Stanton was at that meeting and he joins me this morning. Good morning to you, David. Good morning. Uh, David, families still told the facility is to close. Uh, not all have been told where those within will be rehomed. Some have, but not all. Uh, yesterday you were meeting with the HSC in the Oireachtas Commission. Uh, what did they come out with uh, and are they concerned themselves? Because families are really worried now at this stage. Yeah, this is this. I'm I'm on record as saying that this has been handled very badly from the very start. There was an announcement made last June, just before the doll closed up for the summer, and uh, that it was the closing of October. And it now transpires there really wasn't a plan to relocate the residents in there. Um, it transpired yesterday that I think up to five people uh, are now going to be accommodated. Some people are going to nursing homes, and one person I think has gone to a different location. But um, that that still leaves us with a. There were 19 in there uh, when the announcement was made, and that still still leaves us with a number of people who um, can't be accommodated now. What I've been pushing for all along, and what the HSE has agreed with, is that the will and preference of the residents will be uh, will be taken into account in a big way. And they did say yesterday that you know places have been offered to people in there, and the people have said no, we don't want to go there, and they said okay, we you don't have to go there, we we'll we'll keep looking. 
And so, one of those places, David, by the way, was what a family member has told us is St. Stephen's in Glanmire, which is outside Glanmire. It's in Upper Glanmire. Uh, and they're used to where they are in a town centre where they can leave the premises and, and go back in again. Uh, I mean, that's a huge change going from a town centre to a, a more rural area. Yeah, we've all been making that point over and over again that, you know, the, the location of the centre at the moment is is really central in the town. I know it very well. I've been in and around it many times. And uh, it's right alongside, alongside the Garda station, Super Valley's at the back of it and the, the hospice at the other side. So it's in a really strong location at the very edge of the main street. And people can go up and down the street and they do. And I know quite a number of the people living in there. And over the years, and I've met them and chatted them on the street and so on. It, it has become their home. And quite a lot of people have been in there for many, many years. So you are correct. In, to move them into, say, in anywhere out of that area, out of Middleton, would be a huge wrench to them. And we've, made, we've, we've all been making that point very strongly. So what has transpired just as, if I understand it correctly, is that there's no, now, there's no closure date as such now. The intention is to close it in time. The number of people has been, re- has been reduced quite a bit in there, and they hope that people, more people will, move, will be facilitated to move where they want to go um, in time. And on top of that then, um, they also want to locate, want to try to purchase a house around the Middleton area where some of the residents they say could live in that house, you know, with some supports. Um, so that's where it's at. It's not satisfactory at all. Um, they have, there were concerns about the safety of the place, and some family members spoke to me about that. Now, they have closed the kitchen in there, which was a, a, a risk, I'm told, and they've also done other works in there, which now leads me to believe that the place is safe. It's still not fit for purpose. The rooms are too small. It's an old, old building. It was raw, raw fab design way back. And, you know, what they're now talking about doing is, um, and this didn't come out at the early stage, but now it has come out, their plan now is to uh, eventually to demolish the building and put, build a purpose-built uh, facility there. I suggest just that that purpose-built facility could be to uh, rehouse uh, some of the residents that are in there at the moment, or people that have challenges that would benefit from continuing care or um, high-support hostel accommodation. So th- that's where it's at. Um, the, the other big issue that people keep forgetting is that there was also a very important day service being provided in the centre. Now that's been suspended for quite a bit but they are in discussions to relocate that service to a different part of the town and between 40 and 60 people each week were availing of that service which is a very very important service. I must also say that the overall thrust of the HSE is to maintain people in their own homes for as long as possible in the community for as long as possible and so that people don't have to move into uh, centres such as Onakura uh, and that is something we all agree with but at the end of the day there, there will be some people who will still need the kind of support that Onakura and centres like it provide and um, and I say I raised it in the Dáil the other night with the Minister as well. Uh, that was my third time I think raising it in the Dáil in, in a debate. So we are keeping a very close eye on this. Um, and the HSC, they, they do own that building, don't they? Oh, they do, yes. They so do, yes. That, that the, the refurbishments that they seemingly can carry out, they will have to knock the building more or less, they feel, uh, for it to be deemed essential for the work that they do. Yeah, I've, I've been through that building over the years and I've seen some reports on it. And, you know, you could spend an awful lot of money on it and you'd still end up with an old 70s style building that was only supposed to last for 30 years or 40 years at most anyway. So I, I'm quite happy that the building would be demolished and a purpose-built modern facility um, with that be warm and clean and with rooms that are, are, are a good size, be, with ensuite rooms be put in there. And that's what I've suggested yesterday. And I think they, they kind of didn't say no to that. Uh, initially, they were talking about sheltered housing with own-door accommodation. But but maybe they'll go back now to look at a continuing care. Now, the only thing is if they make larger rooms 
those rooms will have to, uh, you will have few rooms there because obviously the site is a certain size. So at the moment, they can house 20, I think they have 19 rooms, they can house maximum 24 people. Um, now, they, they suggested if they were to build it to modern standards and requirements of, of, of the Health Commission and others, they could have 10 rooms there, uh, which is a, a lot less. But I also suggested they might look at doing something in Cove and Dial, something similar. There is a few, big policy issue here as to how we assist people that have been mental challenges. Um, uh, HSE, and I agree with them, are saying maintain people as long as possible in their own homes, in their own communities, uh, living independently with some supports. And, and, you know, not have people in institutional care institutions. Mm. They're kind of going against that, that, David, aren't they? I mean, if they're going to knock this, which is the plan, and I mean, that would be welcome in a way that they would improve the services. But if they're going to knock it, you know, it could be knocked. It could be a year, two years, three years before a Tinder goes out and they actually rebuild it again, which means people in this home are now gone elsewhere for that two, three or four years. And that's a long period of time. So they're kind of going against their own remit. Yeah, you're right. And and it, this is the kind of catch-22 that they're caught in because they now have more or less said to people, look, you know, your, your will and preference is paramount and we won't put you somewhere you don't want to go. So that, in fact, gives people a veto to stay there as long as they want. Um, and that question was asked just, and I don't think it was really answered, but that's, that's my understanding is the, is the de facto position. They will keep offering um, uh, places to people and other accommodation to people in there. And I did say yesterday, and I said it previously, that I don't want pressure brought to bear on people, you know, that they have to go and, and all that kind of thing. Now, in fairness, I, hope, I don't think the HSC are going to do that. I think they will offer... Uh, places to people, they will bring people to see places and if people decide, look, I will go here, it's nicer than where I am, then th- that, that's fair enough. But if they say, no, I want to stay where I am, then they should do so. They should be allowed to, to, to do so. Um, and you are correct as well. I mean, we have a situation where there's, there are plans to build a 50-bed unit in the middle of the hospital just next door in the community nursing home. Um, now, that's, that planning permission has been granted quite a while. The funding has been in place for quite a bit. But I asked them about that and they said that the the tender situation is is, is, is being actively pursued at the moment and they hope early in the new year to be awarding tenders. That will mean that they'll start to build a new hospital next door, a new community nursing home, if you will, and that means that the old hospital there, the old stole building will become available for all kinds of uses um, uh, in time. But but even if they were to get this premises vacated, they would still have to get planning permission, tenders, budgets, drawings, designs, and get something built. So again, you're talking about quite a while away. My own kind of guess at the moment is that the people that are living in there now will will remain there for the time being um, and be supported as they have been. They'll probably keep working with them and their families where appropriate to offer them accommodation elsewhere. Uh, and eventually, I, I, eventually, people they will have nobody in there. In the meantime, and what's the time the frame H- for that for the HSC, having have no one, one in there? They, they don't have one. But surely they won't let it go on for four or five years. The problem is, you see, that they don't have any, as I understand, they don't have any places to offer people People so it people. could go on that long? It could do, hmm. uh, that, that, that are not suitable. They have no places that are suitable to the people, that are acceptable to the people. And, and this is the reality as I see it at the moment. Um, and then if they know, build this new facility, there's, there's still going to be a knock-on effect because it's only going to, as you say, have rooms for roughly around 10. So you're still looking at a number of people in this current situation, nine, which will have to remain elsewhere then. Yeah, and the other point that was made yesterday is that, you know, after a certain period, we all get older and it reaches a time where your physical needs 
outweigh your mental health needs and you may end up have to end up in a nursing home and a number of people I think have now been are, are being moved to nursing homes and maybe some of the some of the staff in there have told me that they should have been in nursing homes quite a while ago because this is the nursing home as such the people living in there are ambulant they get up every day and walk around and go to the town and so on they're not supposed to be in bed all day because that's a different kind of level of care so that they're doing that with some people as well. They're, they're moving into nursing homes, and maybe that will happen in time as people get older and their needs change. But it is it, it hasn't been handed satisfactorily from the very, very start, and I think everyone admits that now. There wasn't a plan laid out at the very beginning for people. Um, there wasn't proper consultation or any consultation over the summer period. It only happened in September. And you can't move people from there up to Sarsfields up to Court, no matter how good Sarsfields Court is or isn't, because you're, you're really moving people from what has been their home for some people for many, many, many years have been living there. And you just can't uproot them and move them like that. So at the moment, as I see it, it's kind of on hold. Um, and I did ask the question, is the place safe? And they said it is. Uh, they are satisfied with that at the moment. It's not up to standard. It's not fit for purpose. But look, it's, as somebody said yesterday, we, we can't have the, 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 you know, it is it is what it is at the moment. And the people living there are happy there. I think they should be allowed to stay there until accommodation is available to them that would be suitable to their needs. And the day services you mentioned there that are going yep. to be elsewhere now in Middleton Town, when will they resume? Well, I know they're um, in negotiations at the moment with a property owner in town to, to rent the premises, uh, and that's ongoing. So I would hope sometime in the new year. Again, we're all constrained with this COVID as well, and that has that has constrained a lot of things. That's why one of the reasons why the day service has stopped, because of the COVID situation. OK, well, we'll wait and see what happens, uh, David, over the next while. Of the, I suppose the first few months of the new year will tell a lot on this, but for the moment, there's no real uh, update. And for residents, uh, the worry still remains on where they uh, could end up or will go. But thanks for joining us this morning with an update from You're the Office Health Committee. Uh, that is David Stanton there, uh, Fine Gael, Deputy for Cork East. Your views are welcome on 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And on the way next, we're going to hear about Abandoned Business, the first retailer in Ireland. Ireland to dedicate themselves to bamboo clothing and bamboo clothing for babies. We are all hearing about becoming more sustainable. Well, here's a unique way to do so and support local because Ireland's first bamboo baby clothing company is based in Bandon and founder Inda Barton joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Inda. Good morning, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine and thanks for joining us on this. I suppose, first of all, baby fabric and bamboo fabric. I mean, people might not ever have put both together, but you have. And this is where the idea came up from. How did you come around or find out about this idea to launch this company? Well, uh, last year, uh, myself and my partner were, were expecting our first baby. Um, and as you do as an expectant parent, I went and I started searching for, you know, the best the best fabric and clothing for your baby. And I came across bamboo and like yourself, I was like, wow, I never realised there was bamboo fabric. Um, and I started looking at it more closely and I was amazed by the benefits of it. And of course, the next logical step was to go and look for it in Ireland. And that's when I realised there was no dedicated retailer of bamboo baby clothing. And that's where it started. So you decided then, when there was no outlet, to look into providing an outlet. And at the time, were you working yourself at the time? No, I actually last year um, was made uh, redundant from my job due to the pandemic, um, as I'm sure many other people were. Uh, so it was, a, it was a series of events. We were supposed to be getting married. That was cancelled. And, and then we were expecting the baby. And I was made redundant. And um, so it was kind of a, a, a thing of threes. And then um, 
And then, yeah, of course, uh, opportunity came up uh, from all of that, uh, looking at bamboo and yeah, yeah, and it's it's amazing it when you mention redundancy there that anybody that does find themselves in that position at the time is horrible. But you'd be surprised how you can turn your life around following a redundancy, and and you have done this. Just tell us first of all, we mentioned there about the, the benefits of the the bamboo fabric that it has on a young baby. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, I I personally think bamboo is it's nothing short of amazing. So, like one of the real key things of bamboo fabric is it's really great for babies that have like sensitive skin so a couple of years ago my nephew suffered very badly with eczema and it was really hard to watch such a small baby suffering like he did and of course the parents had a really tough time with it as well so the bamboo clothing is is amazingly soft it's so soft it's actually often compared to silk and um, so that's one of the wonderful things about it it's also um a really great property for wicking which means you know it won't stick to your baby's skin and and it's really breathable fabric as well, which means it'll keep your baby warm in winter and cool in the summer. So yeah, it's a, it's a really wonderful fabric in that regard. Yeah, and I was reading yesterday about the texture as well and the benefits you outlined there. It also can dry faster too, and that's a good time this time of the year uh, that a fabric can dry faster because, as yeah. you know, with a baby, you will be washing a lot, so it's good <laughs> if it can dry faster <laughs> rather than yeah. it and lying around the house. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, and the bamboo plant itself, it's very environmentally friendly because even this morning we were touching on the issue of carbon and our carbon footprint with regards to carbon tax. But the bamboo plant, it actually has a huge effect on the environment in yeah. a good way for carbon. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it takes in a huge amount. It, it actually absorbs five times more carbon um, and produces 35 times more oxygen than similar sized trees. Uh, trees so it's remarkable in that in that regard and it also is the fastest growing plant on the planet so it, grow, it can grow up to three feet per day um, and one acre of bamboo will yield 10 times more than one acre of cotton which which as you know is one of the most common fabrics found in baby clothing today so if you combine all of those things and the, and the fact that it doesn't need to be replanted it regrows from its own roots um, there's lots of really great amazing um environmental things you know sustainability points around bamboo for sure and the clothing then that you produce i mean where do you source the bamboo or how is it included in the texture so it's 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 all done in in china um and that's something you know during my redundancy period i was was lucky because i spent countless hours and nights um up until five and six a.m in the morning um looking first of all for the right supplier that kind of matched our values of, of the business that we wanted to launch um, and China is one of the biggest producers of, of bamboo um, now our, our bamboo comes from an FSC certified forest so it's all done very sustainably and, and the clothes then are, 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 are produced over there as well um, designed in Ireland we designed them ourselves and you mentioned there about you were, you know, made redundant and, and how that led to that. Did you ever think you'd be running your own business or was that ever a plan that you wanted to run your own business? Yes, absolutely, John Paul. I, from a very young age, I think of nine or ten, I remember always saying to my father, like, one day I want to own my own business. Um, so it's always been something I wanted to do. And I, oftentimes I just let things stop me, you know, whether it was money or not enough money or not enough time or whatever it may be. And I was looking at other entrepreneurs online and, and all they kept saying was take those, you know, first small steps. So that night when I discovered, you know, that bamboo baby clothing wasn't available in Ireland or there was no dedicated supplier, I decided to start taking those first few small steps. And, you know, just over a year later, uh, we launched the business. And how can people contact you then? I mean, do you have a store or is it just online at the moment? 
It's just online at the moment, John Paul, so you can reach the website on bambooBaby.ie um, and you can also follow us on social media on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle on Instagram is at bambooBaby.ie. Well, it's fascinating. It's a fascinating plant, first of all, when we discussed there about the carbon effect, but the effect it has on a young child's skin as well. I don't think anybody m- m- may not have been aware until we discussed it this morning. Maybe where they were. Um, have you ever visited the Bamboo Park in Glengareth? No, I haven't. Oh, it's Actually, worth it's a visit. I've heard of it. So oh, yes, is it? Yeah, no, it's definitely worth a visit. Um, I'm sure they'd love to uh, have a chat with you as well, but it's it's just uh, outside Glengarriff. It's a, f- a fabulous spot. Uh, so maybe you should take a visit there as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it's Thanks a great spot. In the uh, and, uh, best of luck with everything, best of luck with the baby. Have you uh, have you been able to decide on wedding plans as yet? Or? Um, yes, well, we're hoping uh, Spain again in June 2022. Um, but I've been I've been warned by my fiance that if if, if it gets cancelled again for Spain, we're gonna we're gonna have to do something small in Ireland. So uh, <laughs> it'll definitely be it'll definitely be going ahead for sure. And why did you choose Spain? Uh, my my uh, fiance's parents um, have have an apartment over there, and it's somewhere that she spent a lot of time as a child, and it, you know it's very fond memories and that kind of stuff. So it's a special place for her. So that's yeah. where we want to go. There. And of course, we wanted the weather. <laughs> yeah, would you have an outdoor wedding? So yes, that's the pl- well. We're, well we're, we're sorry, we're getting married in the church in in Marbella and Orange Square, and then the venue's kind of out out near the beach and that kind of stuff. So. But it sounds fabulous. So uh, hopefully it does go ahead for you. For you, but Thanks if not, sure you can um, you can go back and plan B. Maybe uh, see if you have yeah, one here in Ireland. Yeah. But at least you're yeah. planning one anyhow, considering what has happened for the last few years. Into the very best of luck uh, with your plans and uh, with the uh, bamboo uh, fabric. First of all, which a lot of people are, are finding amazing this morning that we discussed that there. And again, just give your website there for people texting in. Yeah, so it's bambooBaby.ie. All right. And the best of luck to you and great and, to hear uh, new businesses like this uh, opening yeah. up in the middle of a pandemic. Take care. And, jo- and John Paul? Yep. Just as one other thing as well, we have a, an offer at the moment. If you if you join or if you join us on the website, or as we like to call it, join the Bamboo Baby family, you get a code via email, which will give you 10% off your entire first order. So, so. it's an, ad- an added... Could be nice for Christmas for somebody, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, get That's the plug it. in. And uh, thanks very much for joining thanks us this morning. Uh, mind yourself, that is founder there, Inda Barton, of the first Bamboo Baby clothing company in Ireland. And they're based out of Bandon. The best of luck to them. And we are giving away tickets across the week to Riverdance with thanks to Aiken Promotions. You can see Riverdance live at the Marquee next June, the 2nd, the 3rd, the 4th and the 5th of June. And if you want to go along and win tickets, to see Riverdance just text or WhatsApp now uh, your name and address and where you are to 0862 103 103 by text or WhatsApp you then will be joining me on air after midday and you will choose between a river or dance themed questions so if you want to win those tickets to Riverdance just text now your name where you are to WhatsApp as well 0862 103 103 and you could be heading along next year to see Riverdance live at the Marquee on June the 2nd, 3rd, 4th and 5th and we're with you until 1 Nick Richards with more of Cork's greatest hits from 1 Martina driving you home from 4 here at C103 and your chance to go along to see Riverdance live at the Marquee with thanks to Acom Promotions it's live at the Marquee next June the 2nd 3rd, 4th and 5th if you would like to go along and see Riverdance then text or WhatsApp your name and where you are right now to 0862 103 103 
three. You'll join me on air and you have to choose between a river or a dance themed question. If you whatever you choose, if you get the correct answer, and I have to take your first answer, get that correct. You go along next year to see Riverdance live at the marquee with thanks to Aiken Promotions and ourselves here at C103. And keep your gardening questions coming for Peter as well. He'll be joining us. Peter Dodal, of course, the Irish gardener after 12.30. You can call Bernie on 1850-333-103. But a lot of calls and comments in on what we were discussing earlier this morning. And this is to do with coursing and it's, I suppose started with what's happening in Mill Street but uh, the conversation I think has broadened out now to should coursing be banned or should it be kept in our country speaking to Pauli McLean uh, the animal rights activist and also well known actress earlier in the show uh, she feels that next year coursing will be banned uh, and be pushed to a vote in the Dáil uh, but a lot of comments in on this first of all uh, in relation to Mill Street Noreen in Tralee in a book called Down the Lawn, there is an article about the purchase of the lawn, which is the town park in Mill Street. And the coursing committee paid £3,700 at the time and the town park committee only had £700 to put towards the price of the park. So Noreen says the town would not have the park if not for the coursing club. And Noreen in Tralee, uh, thank you for your call to Bernie on 1850-333-103. And then on the issue of coursing itself, uh, Tim uh, says, as a farmer, I have put up notices on my gate saying no hunting. All the landowners should do the same. High time to ban hare coursing. The Irish hare is a beautiful animal and it's native to this country says Tim and Ben says I used to live in the country and I was hounded by lampers probably after rabbits but still Ben says it was so cruel and was frightening seeing bright white lights in the fields at night. Uh, he was totally against it, but he said for those living on their own, it's a very scary experience has been. While Derek on hair coursing, he feels that it should be banned. That there's no need for this in 2021. Uh, somebody else feels that the anti-hunting brigade, they're the same people who campaigned for Appeal the H, if you think about it. Not too sure why the comparison there is, but anyway. Uh, Joe feels we are losing our heritage on text. He feels we are losing a lot of old Irish traditions. Coursing was always part of rural Ireland. Now it's been taken away like everything else Irish feels. Joe and Linda on text feels that coursing is a sport for old men. It should be done away with. Ireland has changed as a country. Time to move on. She says the younger people are far more accepting and that this sport, which Linda says is for old men, needs to be done away with. We are now turning into to a different country rather than the country they would like us all to be living in or think they are still living in says Linda on text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 and then Angela says I can see both sides of the argument we are losing our heritage yes but we are at the same time we need to think of the animals we are hurting we cannot go on doing this and continue on with sports such as coursing in 2021 like everything in 
life. Times changed. They changed across the country in various ways in the 1600s, in the 1700s and in the 1800s. And again, they'll change in 2021 and 2022. People just have to adjust, says Angela. Uh, That's on our comments regarding coursing. And your views are welcome on that. Mixed views uh, regarding coursing. And it is something very emotive, uh, not only here in Cork, but across the country. And then we spoke to Cork East Deputy David Stanton. This was on the future of the Unacura Centre in Middleton. It's a mental health facility and there's well, no change really. They're not going to set a date on when they close the centre, but it will at some stage close and residents will have to move uh, to another area uh, and it won't be where they're used to in Middleton. And uh, maybe it might be in the surrounding areas, but at the moment there's no plan uh, for anything to change. And if they do change, they'll demolish where they are, rebuild a new centre. But again, that could take three, four or five years and people will be uh, discommoded in that time. Anyhow, on this, a texter says, is there anybody planning for the future? First of all, the government needs to start funding infectious disease facilities right now because the virus and many others are not going to disappear. We need to research into this. And then on our conversation regarding Onakura, this texter says, why can't they convert hotels taken over by NAMA? These would be perfect as each patient would have a private room with ensuite facilities. Stop wasting precious funds, giving millions in electricity bonuses or credits the hospital beds need to be released back for urgently uh, to alleviate the current hospital delays, says that texter. And then on the booster that was touched on earlier with the MEP uh, for Ireland South, uh, Billy Kelleher, uh, Miriam is abandoned. Miriam says as a pensioner, her and her husband, uh, they both had to go to City Hall for their booster. Why can't family doctors give the booster to the elderly, says Miriam in Bandon. And on that, uh, some GPs are giving the boosters and some aren't so it depends I suppose Miriam on your GP I am aware of GPs in Bandon that are giving uh, the booster out to all ages uh, but then some are not so it depends on who you're with but also pharmacies locally are administrating that so if you do really want to stay local and I mean it can be a journey uh, to go right into the city centre the city hall uh, so if you would prefer to stay local and you've got yours but for others you can check in with your local pharmacy and many of them are administrating the booster and they could be busy but they'll book you in at some stage so that's another alternative if you don't want to travel into uh, City Hall or travel away from your hometown uh, and your GP is full or is not doing it you can always check out the local chemist and here's the one on graveyards John is in Cove and John feels that St. Coleman's Cemetery on the east end of Cove John describes it like Mandela Park with all the cars driving in and out John says the gate are left open all the time and he feels that people are too lazy to walk in. It is only short walk from the gates into the graveyard and he feels the authorities have been asked to keep the gates closed but they remain open and he feels that people are just driving in and out and it's turning into Mandela Park. No, not too sure if you're living in Cove and if you feel that way like John does uh, but John feels that too many cars are in and out of St. Coleman's Cemetery uh, and is it disrespectful that they you have cars in and out and over and across I presume we don't mind cars going in for people who may not be able to walk a long distance that would be allowed but maybe there's people driving in that could walk from the gates 
into uh, the cemetery uh, without needing a car and maybe they're the ones John is unhappy with uh, but anyhow your views to welcome if you know that graveyard in Cove is John Wright is it gone like Mandela Park John and Cove's fields it is uh, and if you agree with him let us know uh, also on uh, social welfare payments uh, texts are saying JP can you find out if the social welfare disability allowance if there's a problem with that payment we've checked that out with welfare uh, according to them there is no problem but there could be problems on the bank side so depending on what bank you're with maybe check in with your bank uh, from the welfare point of view they haven't said that there is to us but maybe there is uh, from the banking point of view we get that a lot from banks whereby people say I didn't receive uh, X, Y or Z this week and then the bank would come out an hour later saying there's problems with the payment arriving to them to transfer on to the customer so that could be uh, an issue and then on scam calls Anne in Charleville says I got a call on my mobile from an English number claiming to be coming from Amazon about her subscription but Anne says I have no Amazon account and then Anne was asked to download an app onto her phone to cancel her subscription even though she does not have one she says it's a total scam but it's a new one to be asked to download an app on your phone uh, so yeah surely uh, stay away from that but Anne in Charleville reminding people that those scam calls that they are doing the rounds from a, a UK type English number or from a UK number to her, her mobile but it was a, a 0044 number so just take note of that and again these numbers that are made up and they they can kind of clone numbers as well so because it looks like an English number it does not mean that that's coming from the UK that could be coming from anywhere across the world but just to take note of that and don't download any app anyway onto your phone from no matter who tells you to do so on the other side of the phone Nora in Newmarket says she's got similar this morning her phone just rang now. Uh, she did not answer it, but it was from a 0044 number. So possibly the same as Anna in Charleville, one of those scam calls claiming to be from Amazon. Uh, anyhow, thank you for your calls and texts to 0862 103 103. Uh, text or WhatsApp or indeed call Bernie 1850-333-103. And the Premier League live, it's back this Saturday on C103.ie with Trevor Welch, powered by Talk Sport. And we'll bring you live coverage of Manchester United is taking on Brighton at 12.30 Aston Villa take on Burnley at 3 and Leeds United will take on Arsenal at 5.30. The Premier League live online with Now. Stream live Premier League action with a Now Sports or Sports Extra membership. Your sport on your terms. Stream only the games that matter to you most with Now. And you can listen Saturdays on the C103 app or indeed go to c103.ie The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie And a drive-in bingo in the Creamery Yard in Kildallery that will go ahead to, on Friday the 17th of December at 8 o'clock and a concert with the Glashen Choir and Linda Kinney that will be a children's performance and it's the Magic of Christmas concert. It will take place at 3 o'clock and it will take place this Friday at 3 o'clock at Bridge Place in Bandon. And Corma Ella, the Mallow Community Choir will be carol singing outside the Town Hall in Mallow and that's going ahead on this coming Saturday from 3 to 4pm and all donations will go to Mallow Meals on Wheels. And all this week on Cork Today we're giving you the chance to win tickets to go along and see Riverdance with thanks to Aiken Promotions. It's live at the Marquee next June the 2nd, 3rd, 4th and 5th and we put out a call earlier for someone to join us on air to answer either a river or dance themed question and John Whelan is in Liam Lara. He joins me. Afternoon to you John. 
Hello, how are you? I'm fine. How are things this morning there or this afternoon at this stage in, in East Cork? A bit mucky like today. Are they? Okay. It's a, it's a bit damp. It is everywhere, depending on where you are. Hopefully it will clear up anyway and you'll have a nicer day. Uh, are you a fan of Riverdance? I presume you were that you text in. Yes, yes, yes. It's such a performance and a great production. So hopefully now you'll be lucky with the question, John, and you'll get to see it next year in the marquee. Uh, here is your choice, though. You can choose between a river-themed question or a dance-themed question. Uh, I'll go for the dance, I think. Dance, OK. Uh, here we go. This is the question, John. Best of luck. I have to take your, your first answer, so just maybe think about it uh, before you answer. Here is the question. Since the inception of River Dance. How many pairs of dance shoes have been used? Is it 20,000 or 60,000? What do you think? I said 20,000. 20,000, you are. You're correct, uh, John. Well done. That's a tricky one because it's hard to know when you think of dancers in one instance, but then the shoes, it, it, it could be anything. I would have thought maybe it was higher, but no, you're yeah. correct. 20,000. Well done, John. You're heading off to the marquee uh, next year to see Riverdance. Well done. Excellent. Enjoy it. Thanks very much. Thanks, John. John there in Liam Lara. More ways to win again tomorrow to go along and see Riverdance live at the Marquee with thanks to Aiken Promotions. Your gardening questions are welcome now. Uh, Peter Doddall, he will join us very shortly answering all your gardening queries. You can call Bernie with a gardening question on 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And just when we were mentioning there from uh, Miriam and Bandon who was uh, speaking about the booster, um, the booster jabs uh, somebody else has whatsapped in saying I have because we were saying if you, you can't go to a, one of the vaccination centres you know you can always ask your local pharmacy and many of them are administering the booster jabs well this whatsapper says I have asked my chemist about the booster uh, but I have been told I have to book online but I don't know how to do this as a whatsapper well if you're unsure of how to do it and if it's, it's, it's for you if it's the only way uh, that you can avail of the booster and you don't want to go travelling and you don't want to go to the walk-ins and it's the only alternative you have maybe ask someone you know that does go online if you have uh, children or if you have relatives or if you have uh, friends or neighbours that can go online for you and they could book it for you because it's simply they just need uh, some details um, and they can book it for you and give you the details and it can be done that way so ask your, your family friends or neighbours or whoever and they'll be able to help you out hopefully we are going to go gardening next though which Peter Doddall and your gardening questions are welcome or indeed by text or whatsapp 0862103103 and on the scam calls that we had Nora and also Anne was on to us earlier uh, D is in Goline and she says Hi JP I had 15 scam calls yesterday claiming to be from air and I've had four so far today all from different numbers there must be some way to stop this all calls coming from my landline uh, says D in Goline yeah, and I know phone companies are looking into if they can uh, stop this or if they can look at other ways around it but they seemingly can't at the moment and it's something they are working on but they're having no luck whatsoever and just going back to our conversation earlier this was in regards to uh, coursing and hair coursing and what's happening in Mill Street and the overall debate about coursing and I think there's so much uh, coming into us by email and by text and WhatsApp we will go back to this uh, on the show tomorrow morning I think at this stage but uh, Dave uh, was listening and he says about this conversation coursing makes me feel very annoyed and very worried I'm a 40 year old male living in the country I don't go coursing but I do hunt shoot 
game and fish. I went through a very tough time in my life a few years ago and I have a lot to thank for that. I had these sports and the love of these sports to keep me going. Not everyone is into popular sports like soccer and more. These field sports have been handed down from generation to generation. And yes, they are in a minority, but I think it would be a very sad day for rural Ireland if they were to be done away with, says Dave on WhatsApp to 0862103103. And as I said, I think we'll be going back to that issue again on the show tomorrow morning on the broader uh, discussion on coursing when we heard earlier uh, from Pauli McGlynn, who was saying basically that you know, coursing she hopes will be banned next year. Others have mixed views on it and we'll return to that, uh, I'm sure, on the show tomorrow morning. But let's go gardening now. And the IrishGardener.com, Peter Doddall, joins me on this Wednesday afternoon. Hi, Peter. Sometimes I'm very glad that I, I'm in the non-controversial world of gardening, John Paul. <laughs> Aren't you lucky here? <laughs> no controversy in gardening, somewhat anyway. <laughs> no, no, thankfully, thankfully. Okay, well, there's a lot of questions in, Peter, and I suppose this time of the year, people are kind of wondering what they can do over the winter period for their garden in relation to certain flowers and shrubs they have in their garden. And that comes in from a question from Julie, who says, I have various fir shrubs, as I call them, says Julie, in my garden. Now, some winters, they die in parts, but they grow back. Can I do anything to prevent this from happening, says Julie? That's that's a tough one, John Paul. I, I, you really need to see the plants. Like fir, fir very often refers to types of conifers, and it's very often often used as a term to, to to kind of encompass all conifers, if you like. But obviously, there are thousands of different varieties of conifers, so it's a difficult one to answer just like that. So there are some of them, like larch, for example, which is a deciduous conifer. So they die back naturally for the winter completely, like a deciduous tree. They drop their needles. And then they come back in the spring. Now, there's nothing you that's just just nature. That's just what that 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 genus does. So there's nothing you can do to change that. Um, if if it's more a question of a, an evergreen conifer that looks a bit chuck for the winter and drops some of them and comes back, you know, I don't know. Like normally, if a conifer dies, if it's not a deciduous form, and and 99.9 percent of them aren't. 99.9 percent of them are evergreen. So if some of it is dying back, you wouldn't expect it to come back from that, if you know what I mean. So it's a difficult one to answer. I really need to see pictures and get more information on it before I could hazard a guess as to, to, to what to do with it. I suspect from the way she's phrased the question, it's it's a large tree or something like that that is a conifer that sheds its needles for the winter, which as I say is nature, it's, it's what it does. Yeah, and wasn't there an issue you were describing there earlier on in the year with certain trees uh, in, in gardens mainly whereby they were dying off and, and some of them died and, and they were coming back again? There was some type of disease going around. Would that have anything to do with it? You see, that's, uh, there are some fungal infections like Phytophthora, which we mentioned earlier in the year, um, which can affect certain con- can affect certain lots of plants, but it does affect certain conifers, amongst others. Um, but the thing is, if they get it, if they get a small bit of dieback in it, it doesn't magically come back from it. So that's why, that's what I'm saying. I'd need more information or I'd need to kind of see pictures of the dieback to give you any kind of a a good answer to that because no, when something gets fight after it, it, it doesn't just magically recover from it unfortunately. Okay, a lot of questions in about daffodils and daffodil bulbs. Uh, this one from Joan in Mallow. She purchased daffodil bulbs but she forgot to plant them. Is it too late now to plant them? Not at all. No, far from it. it it's only December. Um, I often don't, don't plant my bulbs and in fact this year is going to be no different. I don't plant my bulbs till January. Um, they do better anyway uh, once there's a dip in temperatures 
Like if you plant your bulbs too early, I see them popping up in in, uh, in supermarkets and garden centers now as early as August, which is still really the summertime. And if you plant them at that time, then they'll start growing because they need this period of cold and the soil temperature needs to be to be uh, lower um, for the bulbs to know it's winter and for them to fit into the cycle and then they'll, they'll start emerging in the spring. So you're, you're absolute, absolutely not too late, provided the bulbs are firm to the touch so they're not soft or squashy, provided they're firm, then plant away now. You've plenty of time. And just staying with daffodils, Margaret is asking, can I cover daffodils with plastic until September to keep the weeds at bay? I, I presume uh, you, you mean the soil. So if, you, if you're talking about the soil, can she cover them with plastic till when? Yeah, she wants to know, can she cover them with plastic then to keep the weeds at bay away from where the daffodils will be growing around? You could cover around like the number one. I wouldn't use plastic on the soil. You could use you could use a different use something like a mulch, like a bark chip or something like that to, to the right to the right depth, three or four inches of a, of a good organic mulch will will improve the soil much more. And plastic won't improve it; it'll do the opposite. So use a mulch three or four inches uh, to keep the weeds down, and absolutely the daffodils will come through that. If you're using plastic or one of these landscape fabrics, uh, the bulbs won't come through it. Uh, it, it, it will keep the weeds down, but it's not, it wouldn't be a great product to use on the soil at all. I'd much rather use a, a bark mulch or a gravel mulch or even a compost mulch, which will all, they'll all work to keep the weeds down, provided you put them down three or four inches in depth, not one inch. They'll come, weeds will come through that. But if you put down a thick enough layer of mulch, uh, weeds won't come through, but the bulbs absolutely will come through. And we'll stay with daffodils. Uh, just somebody has simply texted in, Peter, when do daffodils die back? They, don't, they begin to die back as soon as the flowers are finished. So depending on the variety, actually, because there's, there's thousands of varieties of daffodils, believe it or not, John Paul. It's not just one yellow daffodil. Um, but depending on the variety, some of them will actually be in flower right now. There's one called Rhinebelt Early, which will be in flower from December onwards. And sometimes February Gold, which is another early one, which you'd expect from the name to flower in February. But often that will be in flower in, in December, January as well. And then you go right up to the end of the, the flowering season for daffodils, which brings you into April. So depending on which variety you've planted will 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 answer that question as to when will they die back. So the early ones will begin to die back uh, probably in February, March, whereas the later ones will only begin to die back in, in April, May. Uh, and that's when all the, the, the goodness goes back into the bulb for next year. OK, and away from daffodils for the moment. Uh, hi, Peter. Do you know when to cut back uh, the flame of the forest? The, the flame of the forest, you could cut back, it, 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 it flowers in the spring. Now, it's grown very much for its red foliage, its purest forest flame, and it, it's grown very much for that lovely red new growth which, which emerges next spring, but it does also flower. And the flowers are beautiful, really lovely, John Paul, white kind of lily-of-the-valley-type flowers. And the, the time to prune it back is uh, just after those flowers have have died off, if you like. So when you cut it back there, you may be removing some of that lovely new red foliage as well, but it will promote more. So you'll actually get more of the red growth. Um, and the, and the, if, you do it, if you do it later than that, uh, you're not going to harm the plant. But what you may well end up doing is, is sacrificing flowers for next year by cutting it back too late. So the correct time to do it is just when the flowers are finished, which would normally be around April or May. OK, and James says, I have inherited three large plots with geraniums. Now, I know they are very old, but we're always really healthy over the years. Now, all of a sudden, uh, the stems are breaking off. What should I do, asks James? With, with, with geraniums uh, in pots, the, the, 
their most likely Pelagonians, which would be Frost Tender, okay? Um, so they would need to come in for the winter. Now, if he's inherited them, uh, I'm taking it that he hasn't, um, he hasn't overwitched them himself before. So really what they'll need to do is they'll need to come in for the winter. So if you have a greenhouse or a glasshouse or a polytunnel, something like that will offer enough frost protection. If not, they're going to have to come in maybe to a shed or a garage or something like that, somewhere where they're getting a certain amount of sunlight. They don't need a whole pile of it. In days of old, they used to come into, if you remember, when every house had a porch, they'd come into the porch in the winter. But the porches are, are a thing of the past, I think, in most houses. Um, but do bring them in somewhere to give them protection during the winter. Uh, with stems breaking, I'm not too worried about because uh, they are quite brittle anyway. They'll snap quite easily. But if the stems were kind of getting soft and rotting, I'd be far more concerned. That would be one possibility to, to cause that would be the, the, the cold temperatures or the low temperatures. But I suspect if they're just breaking, uh, that's probably not too bad a sign, but I would bring them in for the winter. Okay, and here is one from Anne, and she wants to know, when is the best time to prune? And this is the way the plant she wants to prune is spelt. It's Ella Angus Ebingy planted out of one ear. Was that right or was that very far away from it? No, you're doing very well. The Latin is, your Latin is improving. There we are. Ailey Agnes, Ailey Agnes Ebingy. See, Peter, you're teaching me well over the last 12, 13 years. (laughs) It's paying off. It might have taken that long, but it is paying off. <laughs> it took a while. It, it's also referred to as uh, oleaster. Um, and so by the, the way, the, the end of that question, it's out one year from three litre pots. So three litre pots, just to get that in there for Anne. Okay, and she's asking when is the right time to cut it, isn't it? Yeah, and she wants to know the best time to prune, yeah. Yeah, the best time to prune that would be kind of early spring. It's actually, it, it would be, in, it's probably finished flowering by, by now, even though if it's in a three-litre pot, it might be even too young to flower yet. But they do flower, they're beautiful winter flowers. It, it's grown very much as a kind of a, normally as a hedge, um, or it can be a one-off plant too, but it, it's a very good plant for a coastal or windy garden to offer shelter. So they do produce flowers which are loved by the bees at the downtime of the year, kind of early winter. They're quite strongly scented, though you may not see them that much. Uh, the right time to prune it is early March, just before the new growth begins again. So early March would be the, the best time you reckon, is it, for, for replanting? Yeah, early March. Early March, the, the, okay. for, for pruning, for early pruning. March, yeah. Early March, okay. And Mary is in Donroyal. She wants to know, what's the best time, Peter, to divide up rhubarb? Is this the best time or should I wait till later? No, right now, sooner the better, oh. uh, because it's going to start, well, hopefully it's going to start emerging out of the ground in, in early spring. So the sooner you get it divided, uh, and back into the ground, the better. Okay, and uh, Jonathan says, I'm still cutting my grass, but I've noticed in the last cut, it's growing back very patchy. I never had this problem, but usually in years gone by, I would have given my last cut towards the middle of November, not this year. Uh, any suggestions from Peter on why now the grass has gone patchy? Uh, I wouldn't say it's much to do with the the timing of the last cut. I wouldn't be too worried about that. But it, it doesn't say whether he's um, what he does in terms of maintenance of the lawn. Like I wonder, does he scarify it? Because it sounds to me like it could, it's a build up of patch, which is leading to like a, a, a patchy growth. So there could be a build up of moss and patch. Now, what patch is very briefly, John Paul, it's a build up of kind of dead and decaying tissue around the base of the grass plant and the soil surface which leads to, you know, less than ideal growing conditions for a lawn. So the the, the, the real way, the best way of all to, to, to eradicate that is to scarify the lawn, which is like giving it a mechanical rake. And the best time to do that is in the spring, so during March. And I would say um, 
if, if it's just coming back patchy, but there doesn't look to be signs of any disease or anything like that, uh, I would say scarifying it in, in March would be the, the very the very best thing you could do and maybe give it a treatment with something like the lawn gold and directly after that. Okay, and Sally is in Shambhali Moor. She got some sweet pea seeds, which she planted in a box, but now they are getting quite leggy. How can she save them to plant out in the spring? And the directions on the pack said they could be planted in November. They can, and planting hardy annuals like that at this time of the year, kind of October, November, December, means you'll have stronger plants quicker next summer. So they'll be grown outside in the summer, John Paul, but it's too cold to grow them outside at the moment. So that's why by starting them off now indoors, you get stronger plants quicker next year because they're, they're, they're half-grown, if you like. Uh, sweet pea, by their nature, are prone to getting leggy because they're a twining, climbing plant. So really all you can do is, is put a, a bamboo or something in with them and let them, let them cram, scramble up that uh, to, to keep them upright. You can't, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be a huge fan of pinching them back to get them to bush out or anything like that. Though you could do it, just pinch it back. But it's, they're still going to want to grow I'd be most inclined to just make sure they're in a big enough pot uh, and put a bamboo or something similar into the pot with them to to support them uh, and then with a view to planting them out next spring. Okay, Peter, I hope that helps, Sally. And uh, thanks for all your uh, questions and answers today. Have you, are you still doing uh, a lot of stuff online at the moment? Are you visiting areas for talks? We're, 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 we're not, no, we're not doing talks as such. So I do still, still calling now to, to clients, hmm. private clients like Garden Design and that. But no, yeah. all, all the talks and all, all that stuff is Still on hold. Everything is virtual. Everything is online at Still the moment. Online. But, but busy, busy. Yeah, busy. Get busy. Well, you never know. You might be taking up Latin classes as well now in the new year. That would keep you busier. Uh, for the moment, Peter, thank you for all of that. And we'll chat to you again next uh, Wednesday. Yeah, well, 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 I'd say we won't jump on it this Christmas week. Uh, well, do you want, if you want to take it over, we're still here, Peter. If you want to take it off, you can. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, you, you think you were. I know you're on RT, but this is far from RT. I mean, where do you think you are? You'll be back here next Wednesday before we go. We'll, we'll talk next week. <laughs> bye bye. Be good. Thanks, Peter Donald. Find him at the dot com or indeed on Facebook and Insta at the Irish Gardener. Mm. That's it from us today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced. I'm John Paul McNamara. Enjoy your Wednesday afternoon. We'll chat to you tomorrow morning from 10 a.m. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.